This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. <laughs> only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms supply. See mcdonalds.com. Leicester City have a penalty kick in the sixth minute of injury time. Injury time, injury time. Look out, takes, Almunia saves, knock out, follows in, Almunia saves again. And now Wapner on the counter attack. Forestieri. Oh, I don't believe this. Here's Hawk. Dini! I do not believe what I've just seen. Troy Dini has scored from a Leicester penalty that was saved by Almunia. Do not scratch your eyes. Do not scratch your eyes. Do not scratch your eyes. You're listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. I'm Justin. And I'm Peter. And Peter, do you want to introduce our guest? I, what I want to do the most of all things that I most want to do. With us today, following last season, Mr. Dave Messenger, EDI Supremo of the club. If you haven't got Supremo in your job title, get working on it, Dave. Welcome, yeah, I quite like the sound of that, actually, yeah. No, thanks for having me on again. It's great to be back and great to pick up on the conversation and have a further chat about it. But yeah, thanks for having me back on. No, lovely stuff. Well, because when you came on last time, we did the normal thing about, well, well, tell us about when you were a five-year-old uh, and all of that stuff. And we went all the way autobiographically through. But we got to the, your your new role, looking at the EDI and the whole kind of, you know, the whole We campaign, which was there. And we had a good talk about it. It's still available. If you haven't heard it, do go and give it a listen and see if you disagree with uh, with Dave's favourite three players, excluding Luther, John Barnes, and of course, the new Forest Green Rovers centre forward. So do go and have a look at that. But what we did get into was talking about what happens with the WE campaign, because some people had looked at it, we discussed it before, how contentious was it, what was going on, and how could we get Carl to feel really guilty, which he did by the end, which I think is a good thing. Carl and Gil's are, are, are bedfellows there. And we were talking about the behaviour and, and kind of what, what's going on in the club. And I think one of the things that resonated with me, and it certainly did with all of the playback that came back to us, was you talking about the WE campaign and the especially the EDI role as it being a connection back to Graham Taylor and Elton John. And the WE campaign's been, been a huge part of that. How have things from your side gone? And then we'll get into the stats since we last chatted. Yeah, yeah, well, it was a big, it was a big theme, wasn't it? When we talked before, my, um, I still stand by that belief 
massively that what we're trying to do with the We campaign, what we're trying to do with all of our equality, diversity, inclusion work speaks to the ethos that has been created for this club in the 1980s by Graham Taylor and Elton John. I do genuinely believe it's a natural progression. It's the sort of thing that had equality, diversity, inclusion been buzzwords or whatever you want to call them back in the 1980s. Exactly mm. what it's exactly what we'd have been doing. There's plenty of anecdotal conversations to back that up as well there's this the story of elton john coming on the tannoy at half time of a game in the late 1970s where there was racist abuse and saying i'll close the club i won't have supporters in if you're going to behave like that and then the other anecdotal story about graham taylor pulling supporters out of the crowd and having a go at them at half time. discrimination isn't a new thing and i genuinely believe that had we been having these conversations in the 1980s with this the, something like the we campaign would definitely have existed but i do see it as a continuation i do see it as something that, that's important and part of what this club is all about to to drive discrimination and to create an, a welcoming atmosphere cool or to enhance a welcoming atmosphere let's not say create let's say enhance because i believe we have a welcoming welcoming atmosphere as well yeah let's enhance that atmosphere that's good that's good and i think people talk about the Watford way and the Watford way means a number of different things. And hello, James from the Watford way. I'm not talking about you, obviously, but in terms of be it how it's played on the pitch, but certainly the supporter atmosphere, the supporter environment, the whole kind of engagement with supporters is huge. After that, I went back and actually took a look at the diversity and equality and inclusion strategy stuff from 21 through to 25. This is a long-term project that you had there. And actually read some of the words attributed to Scott, where he actually did call it out and said, while it's pleasant, a pleasant tag to use, it's a statement deliberately made to invite scrutiny. This is about being the original family club and measure of our work to be as inclusive a club as Graham Taylor and Elton John showed football could be when they refused to erect hooligan fences in the 70s and 80s and instead made Vicarage Road a place where football was enjoyed by all and whilst retaining a competitive heartbeat. Yes, we were competitive in the 80s. I was there. So was Dave. So was Justin. We can tell you we were definitely competitive. (laughs) Um, I I may be signalling in on the wrong part there, but (laughs) it, it, it was true. I went to, I can't remember if I've told you this story beforehand, but my grandparents lived in Tottenham. Tottenham is just outside of Dunstable. Dunstable is very close to Luton. Now, near Tottenham is Dunstable Downs, and you've all heard about my brother being run over by a glider. Many but times. that's not the bit Many I'm going times. to talk about. The, the one game in the 82 to 83 season when we finished runners-up to Liverpool, that's right, we finished runners-up to Liverpool. The only game at home I missed with a season ticket was because I was stuck somewhere close to bloody Luton because my grandfather wouldn't give me a lift back, probably because my brother was being run over by gliders or something else important. So I didn't get to see Watford 5, Luton 2. My grandparents decided, my grandmother, because I sat there listening to Chilton Radio. This was before 3CR. Chilton Radio, everybody. And I heard the most, and I still remember to this day, I was about 12, the most biased commentary as they're trying to explain why Luton are losing 5-2. But really, it's only a conspiracy the size of the Kennedy assassination that's making this <laughs> happen, of course. That and the last four goals. But never mind. It was interesting. And my grandmother turned around and said, well, don't worry. I didn't realise it was so important to you. I'll make sure you get to the game next week. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I ran upstairs to the bedroom where I'd taken all my programmes because I was that much of an anorak. And I went to the back of the programme, of course, where you got all the fixtures. We were away at West Brom the next week. This was amazing news. They didn't mean that. I ended up being cut off 
to a guy called Derek Bunker, who was a butcher in Eaton Bray, somewhere near Tottenham, somewhere near Dunstable, somewhere near Mordor. And I had my first experience of Kenilworth Road. Oh, my God. It was There was a show called Colditz at one time, and it, it only didn't have the watchtowers, the barbed fences, the differences between Vicarage Road's wide-open spaces and the... Uh, just 90 minutes of pure hell that I had. Uh, it's very difficult. I was very traumatised. And all I will say is Norwich City, Mark Barham, 1-0. Well done. Thank you. I, you nearly got me killed as a 12-year-old, but other than that, it's excellent. So, yes, there you go. In the 80s, it was different. We didn't have cages. We didn't have our noses pressed up to, to iron gates. It was lovely and it was open. But the only reason it was like that, because it was far more toxic then, was because of the atmosphere that we had. So, so good stuff indeed. So the We campaign has it, it had some figures last year. Let's have a look at some of those statistics if, if we can, because these are incidents, and we discussed some of them on the previous podcast when we were talking about various things going on, what happens if somebody reports. It's it's conversational. But if we can go through some of these incidents, we will we'll be posting these up with links in the podcast so you can go and actually take a look at these. But they're already available on the website. You may have seen them. But for the points of this, let's go through the incidents first of all, because th this sounds, when you're talking about incidents with these titles, mm. very disturbing. But the numbers appear to be moving in the right direction, which is a positive, but obviously we still want to go further, presumably. Yeah, absolutely. And and the first thing to say about the numbers, there's there's two important bits of context to set. Firstly, we're talking about, you know, 56 in the previous season, 38 last season. So we're talking about a reduction there, but we're also talking about a small number when you consider that we have 12,000 season ticket holders. We have the average gate being 18, 19, might have dropped off towards the end of last season a little bit with the numbers of people in the ground. But what I always try, where I always try to set the context about these incidents, it's a small number when you compare it to, the, the, as I say, the number of season ticket holders, number of people in the ground. But going back to what we're saying about the club's ethos and what we want to be, 38 is 38 too many. So mm. I How don't is... live in some sort of cloud cuckoo land where I think we're ever going to get to a point where there's nothing because while discrimination exists in the greater world and society, it's going to exist at Vicarage Road. But the numbers are, for me reflective of the fact that people are confident in reporting and are also reflective of the fact that we're talking about these things now and we're being proactive as a club and we're being proactive as supporters to actually start having conversations about what causes some of these incidents. How do we compare with the rest of the EFL? Well, there's an interesting question, Justin, because it would be brilliant for me to be able to tell you how these numbers compare to other clubs, but the facts remain that not every club is recording information in the way that we are. We are one of the few clubs, I, I believe, I, I don't know exact numbers because I don't look at every, what every club does, mm -hmm. but I think there was only about three clubs that actually publicised how many incidents they had at their stadium. What tends to happen is Kick It Out, who are an absolutely brilliant organisation who we work closely with and all of the things that we do around discrimination, but Kick It Out have that sort of overall picture of incidents that have happened within football, big numbers that are still on the rise, 
but there isn't something that like a league table, if you like, of how many of what incidents clubs have had and how we compare ourselves to other clubs, because clubs are still in an early in the early days, I think, of of wanting to be confident about this and wanting to be on the front foot and talk about it because no one wants to put out, oh, yeah, we had this many racist incidents in our football stadium. Clubs are naturally and historically shy of putting it out there. But again, us, us other clubs, hopefully this is going to be something that other clubs will start to do and say, actually, we're not shy about talking about it because we want this conversation to happen with our supporters about it. Mm. We want to understand what causes the, the few incidents that we get and we want to try and see if we can get that number down even further. So for context, though, this is pretty much an internal audit rather than uh, an EFL yeah. target, if you like. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And this is also only things that are reported to us. So if things have happened in the stadium on a match day or anything like that and they've not been reported to us, then we don't have that information because I don't for one minute suggest that this is absolutely every incident that's occurred in the stadium. It's just the ones that were reported to us. But that, again, Mm -hmm. for me, seeing numbers like 56 for last season, 38 for this season, that fills me with a little bit of confidence that supporters are understanding what we're trying to achieve and are reporting things when when they hear it. So just so for, anybody, so for anybody who's listening, first of all, sorry, what we're doing is we're just going through and there will be a link to the, the, the document so you can see what we're talking about. We're looking at the incidents. So this is the number of incidents which last year, which would have been 21-22, uh, or last season, I should say, there were 56 incidents. It's a, it's a reduction by 18 down to 38. So that's a reduction of, of around a third down to two, two thirds, which is, yes, absolutely trending in the right direction. But as you say, it's important to get people reporting it. But then we're going to go through and take a look at the individual types of discrimination that are occurring. But Justin, sorry, so I didn't mean to cut across you. just wanted everybody to know what we're talking about. No, it's fine. We are going to go into the different types of, of incidents. Mm-hmm. It's just there's one there that's drawn my eye, which is racism, homophobia, and sexism. Now, at the top, they are separate car- car- uh, categories. That's on mm-hmm. its own. So that is a specific incident where all three of those topics were used in one incident. Yes, absolutely. With those incidents where we've put them together, I think what we're trying to show here is that quite often these things come hand in hand. We don't have just people that are racist or just people that are homophobic. There are people that will quite happily throw it all into the mix together. And that for me is is an even an even more important thing for us as a club to be aware of and to understand that somebody in our football stadium felt it appropriate to use abuse that contained all three of those types of, of, of discrimination. So keeping them together and showing that further up where we've got the homophobia and racism, homophobia and sexism, what we're trying to show there again, by putting that those together, we could have just put them in individually, but mm-hmm. by getting them to, by showing that they t- they're together, it shows that they come hand in hand, those things sometimes. Yeah. And some people will tell you that we don't hear homophobia. We don't hear racism. We don't hear sexism at Vicarage Road. And that's great. I'm glad that a lot of people don't hear it, but it's, but it exists. And these numbers show that it exists. And that's what we're trying to show here is there are, these incidents are happening and they do often the, the discrimination will often come hand in hand with other types of discrimination. And that's not uncommon. That's not uncommon across the game. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start at the top and work our way down. Racism there. Um, last year, 24 incidents of racism. And then this year, 24 again. So this is clearly something that is an ongoing and it is the highest number in the category in terms of frequency. What sort of incident are being reported as kind of racist incidents so people get an idea of 
kind of the stuff that people are one hearing or seeing and therefore reporting. So I'll give you a couple of couple of examples from well, there's one from this season as well. The 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 only incident we've had so far this season, we're only three games in, we've already had one. But most of the the races incidents, this will be people quite a lot of these incidents right across the board are what you would describe as sort of lone wolf incidents, or there's just people shouting stupid things in the heat at the moment. And what quite often happens with racist language, I'll leave it to people's imaginations as to the racist yeah. language. No, 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 no that's fine. And what people are being called and what people are, what, what is being shouted at. But for racism, you know, it's different little things can come into that. So one incident from last season was around um, the time of Ramadan. You might remember that when we played against Cardiff, there was a break during the first half of the Muslim yeah. players on the pitch from Watford and Cardiff to break their fast. And we had incidents reported there of people shouting Islamophobic abuse or racist comments related to the fact that players were taking a break and why were they taking a break? And if they want to do that, why don't they go back to where they came from? And comments worse than that. That's where we're at. That's where these, that's what these, that's what is driving these type of incidents. What we've also got in with the racism, and it might be a separate question, but it comes onto one of my pet subjects about a certain chant that Watford yeah. supporters are still using and the, the comms that we've put out around it. It's probably a separate conversation to have, but those incidents are recorded in the in, a, in as racism as well because that word is a racist word. Let's not let's get that out here right from the word go again. It is a racist mm-hmm. word. So those incidents are being recorded in there and we're getting more and more reported around just that particular word. So out of those 24, eight of them were related to that particular word. So that speaks again to our communication about it, to the fact that supporters are aware of it, supporters are calling it out and supporters are, are reporting that that use of that word to us now. So I think with the, when we're looking at the racism number, those items are in there as well. That's what's probably caused that number to stay higher because up until last season, we hadn't even talked about that word. We'd never made reference to it. We knew that supporters used that song had been singing that song for a very long time we understand that we understand that supporters still feel the song is part of football banter if you like yeah. what we're trying to get across is in our communications it's a racist word we would like people to stop using it please and so those incidents are captured within the racist number as well that makes sense that makes sense yes and it, we discussed that particular bit because it was one of the things that yeah, it, the moment you go in and you try to, I'm going to use the word education probably badly, but it is the communication as much as anything that this yeah. wasn't going to happen. For some, that's going to be red rag to a bull, and therefore that it's going to, it's going to pro- provoke some of that. But we're going to get into after we've gone through these incidents, we also want to get to the outcomes. So once yeah. these happen, how we deal with those, how we, how you go and deal with them in terms of these from from, from that point of view. One that's that's significantly improved. In fact, it's the biggest drop off, and I, I'm presuming it is not inclusive of the. Um, uh, the, the multiple discrimination items that fall below mm-hmm. it, but it's still dropped significantly, is the yeah. homophobic uh, uh, abuse. What yeah. do you, firstly, with both racism and also homophobia here, though, how much of this is directed at the players and how much of it is interfan kind of abuse? How does that look? And then what do you put the credit down to in terms of the, the drop-off in homophobic discrimination? So I would say the vast majority, again, with remembering that thinking I've gone today, I've sat and gone through some of the incidents just to refresh my memory of some of them. And the overwhelming majority of these incidences are things shouted at players. 
So certain words shouting at players, and again, you can work out the words for yourself that mm-hmm. would come under homophobia. So those certain words that are shouted at players, and quite often with homophobia, it will be when a player's just been fouled or when a player's just been tackled and a certain thing is shouted out. So I think what's driven the change, and then I'd like to... I think it's important as well to understand and to reference a lot of the stuff that we've done around the wider equality, diversity, inclusion work. And I think the yeah. fact that we've been quite quite clear on our communication about supporting people like the Proud Hornets and supporting mm-hmm. people like the Women of Watford and the work that those particular groups have put into make getting themselves well known around the fan base. I'd like to think it's had an impact on that in, drop of that of those particular types of discrimination because those two groups in particular, and there's, there's plenty of other supporter groups that do an awful lot of, of brilliant stuff, but those two groups in particular have, have, have been very prominent since they were set up and, and were started. And it's not about those groups saying that we're favouring different types of supporters or anything like that. We're not. We're simply supporting a group of supporters who want to get a certain message across. And I'd like to think that some of that, communication, some of the stuff we've done around Hornets Pride Week last season, some of the stuff we did around International Women's Day and the women's team being successful last season as well. I think all these things come into the mix and aid that narrative. And I just think that's helped to to drive those numbers down. I wouldn't put it completely down to that, but I would like to think that those things are a part of why we've seen a decrease there. That's fair enough. The reason I asked about whether or not it was towards the pitch or not was because, and you touched it on there, obviously with Women of Watford, was sexism again has has reduced uh, by, by more than half in terms of seven reported incidents, 21, 22, only three last year. You mm-hmm. mentioned that. Is that because, well, I'm presuming that it's not women shouting sexist abuse at players. I could be wrong at the men's game. But also, obviously, you've got the, the women's game came into focus last mm-hmm. year more than any other. And at the same time, obviously, you had WOW coming, their, uh, their star rising continually, et cetera. Mm-hmm. How, how does this manifest itself? I think as well, more than anything else, with the with the incidents that have happened here, mm. again, it goes back to very simple, very easy phrases that I'm sure you can possibly yep. think of yep. that are being shouted at players at particular times. And whether it's like there was one incident um, the season before where there was a, a where it was supporter versus supporter, and there was some very unpleasant things said by one of our supporters to a female supporter from another club. But it tends to be, again, with most of these incidents, it tends to just be those odd couple of words that are shouted out, normally a moment of tension around a match or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's just not, it's just people not engaging their brain and not thinking about what it is that they're actually shouting out. And I think we'll, we'll come onto this when we talk about the outcomes. But what you've got to remember as well that in, within these incidents, there are quite a lot of things that we couldn't actually deal with because the report was, well, I heard someone shout, some sexist language in the rookery and you go well there's 5,800 people in the rookery I think that's the right number 5,800 people in the rookery whereabouts in the rookery oh somewhere up the back so there's not very much you can do about that apart from thank the person for taking the time to report it because for us again I'd still like I still happily include that in the incidents even though there's nothing we can do about it because I want to build that picture of what's actually happening within the stadium and what's being reported so even though there's absolutely no chance of us attributing that comment to an individual, then I would still capture that within these incidents just to give that picture of what's happening in the stadium. So that brings me on to a question then. Of all these incidents on here in the previous year, how many of those were you able to act upon? 
Oh, we can come on to that with the yeah. We can come on to that when we get the outcomes up there. But I think the at least half of the incidents that we received last season and this season, without having the exact number in front of me on the outcomes, but. Yeah, so the unable to progress data, which Pete has helpfully showed up here, the number one in both of the last two seasons, we were unable to progress because they were just those one-off shouts that we couldn't do anything with. And we'll move on to some of the other things in a bit. But yeah, I still I still like to to help us build the overall picture of what's happening in the stadium. Again, to challenge that, I don't hear it within the stadium comment that we hear quite often. Just because you don't hear it wherever you see it, it happens somewhere within the stadium. And that's the picture that we're trying to paint and trying to make sure that people understand that is just because you haven't heard something at a football match. Great. I'm really pleased Mm. that you haven't heard something at a football match, but don't tell me that it doesn't happen because it does. And that's why we record those incidents. I'm going to pull you up on something because it says unable to progress, but I really think that goes into an inclusion of the general communication stuff that comes out from the club. All of the general stuff that's spoken about at games, we have the video now on that that Carl is on the front of. I just shout out the word guilty every time I see his face. So, you know, (laughs) it's a lot. I do that anyway, but this time it's on the big scoreboard. But that goes into obviously trying to still not educate, but again, share the Watford values in terms of that. So let's just go back to some of these incidents. And we're not trying to concentrate on just negatives here, but it's trying to understand this because it's very different. In the mid nineties, my brother who hadn't been killed by any gliders by this point, obviously (laughs) by marriage, his nephew was a mixed race. Right. And I was, I basically did football coaching and I coached his, his, his team. And Jamie didn't get to go to games. And so I just said, well, coaching him on a Saturday morning, do you want to come to the game? Yeah, fine. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I'm walking into Watford in the mid-90s and I suddenly tuned into a completely different wavelength that I had never considered before. I'd been going to Watford since back end of the 70s, all the way through the 80s, all the way through the, what you'd consider the dark times. Suddenly I was walking into a game and being really cognizant of somebody else's experience and appreciating that I wanted them to have a great time. I wanted them to fall in love with Watford as much as I could. And suddenly my audio receptors were completely different. Now, there was no incident at all. He loved it. He loved standing on the, the on the seat and jumping around. The first game he went to, he said, what do I do if we score? Don't worry, you'll figure it out. And he did. It was great. But suddenly I tuned into a wavelength. And I think sometimes that the, the people, and me beforehand and probably since then after, you're not necessarily listening for it. If suddenly I walked in and I was very attuned to it and realising that somebody might call somebody a despicable word, but please don't give it a prefix beforehand. It doesn't need it. And as I say, it never happened, It was which was great. But getting into that kind of tune is there. Now, homophobia and racism and a homophobia and sexism i'm gonna i'm gonna bring these two together simply because homophobia and racism there were four incidents in 21 22 and none last year Mm -hmm. but homophobia and sexism there were none the previous year but there were two last year again are we looking at the same thing in terms of what we were talking about earlier on where we know there's going to be a a racism and a sexism and there's also going to be the full house in the bingo discriminatory card of racism homophobia and sexism is this just people just putting things together and just generally having an abuse at somebody on the pitch again and just using shall we say casual thoughtless language or is it more are some of these incidents more insidious than casual I think the incidents, the homophobia and racism incidents that we had in 21, 22, 
they were uh, two of those were at the same two two of those were at the same fixture, and the fixture was Arsenal away. And there was a particular report that we had of an individual that was shouting homophobic abuse at Emil Smith Rowe for reasons I can't even begin to fathom, and racist abuse at Bakaya Sacco. So that's where that hand-in-hand comes there, if you like. So it's the same person being reported within that report who is using that type, that particular type of language at player A and a particular type of language at player B. So that just gives you a sort of sense, a hope of of where we're coming from when we put these these things together because that person is using homophobic and racist language but not at the same time, if that makes sense. What you've done there now, though, is these are no longer just incidents that have happened within Vicarage Road, correct? So these statistics statistics are attributed to Watford fans wherever they may be, not just within Vicarage Road. Okay. Correct. And I've got all that I've got all that data as well. But with the incidents and outcomes, we're trying to just put the picture out there of the two most important areas really. Breaking it down, the vast majority of our reports are at home games, but we do get them from away games as well. And there's particular fixtures in that season that that stick out where there was four, five, six different things. So Brighton away that season was another one where there was an awful lot of incidents that got reported in at the stadium that came to us via Sussex Police. So there was an individual that was banned from Vicarage Road for the vast majority of last season as a result of abuse that he shouted at the Amex Stadium. So all of that gets included in as well. It doesn't matter where it happens. And even now we're also recording incidents that happen on very few, very few and far between. But if there's a community trust event, if there's anything now at a community trust event, we bring that information in as well because, again, trying to paint that whole picture of what's going on. So, yeah, it's... We, we will always, we'll capture that information and we'll include that information wherever it happens. The majority of it, Vicarage Road. Hi, this is Nigel Gibbs and you're listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I'm going to bring these two together because they are discriminatory on religious grounds, effectively. And uh, three anti-Semitic incidents in 21-22, two last year. Islamophobia, obviously, which everybody knows about, none previously, but one last year. Now, obviously, that's an increase. Of course it is. but. Is, is it a general trend? Is it a one-off? Can you tell us, are those sort of general kind of discriminations similar or combined or are they separate, manifesting themselves in different ways and from different areas? Yeah, just manifesting themselves in different ways. So the, again, the Islamophobia one, as we've already mentioned, was around the, the Cardiff match right. um, when the players took the break for, for, for Ramadan. The, 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 the abuse was, well, I said earlier on when we were talking about it in, in racist terms, but it was specifically about 
the Muslim faith, this particular yeah. piece of abuse. So we recorded it as under Islamophobia. With anti-Semitism, the two anti-Semitic incidents from this season were both online incidents. And again, on going back to what Justin okay. said a minute ago, we're recording Vicarage Road, we're recording away games, we're also recording online. Vast majority of stuff that happens online, we don't record because there's absolutely nothing we can do about the vast majority of it because it's so difficult to trace an individual because it's done anonymously. We don't waste time with trying to track. If we can track them and we can pin it back to an individual, then we will do. The two anti-Semitic incidences in the previous season were both online incidents. So what we do with those is we report them off, off to the various social media companies. What action gets taken is negligible with some of them. It might end up with, a, with an account being blocked and deleted, but that person is just going to set up another account because there's so few controls, as we know, in that space. So the two anti-Semitic incidents weren't inside, weren't in the stadiums. So this was on a social media platform? Yes, Okay, so it wasn't a Watford, it wasn't done on the Watford Observer or it wasn't done on the Watford? No, it was in, yeah, it was response to, it was in response to tweets that we put out. Okay, okay. So there, when, where we do with social media, obviously if we're not going to sit here and we're not going to spend our time policing social media, but if somebody replies to one of our posts with something, then that's a different story. Or if we're tagged in something, for example. Well, no, if, if, if it's club comms and fans also report it, it's part of the the Watford experience. And hey, I don't think, even if it's going to be ineffective, I don't think leaving it to, to fester is any form of solution. And I think we'd, we'd rather see that dealt with. Final one then, disableism. Yeah. Now, I appreciate this wasn't last year. This There was a single incident. But again, this just speaks to the fact that this is the sort of stuff that's coming into your realm of trying to hopefully improve the behaviours or just, and in many cases, just point out when these behaviours are occurring. Because I think most people would, would, would really fail to believe it. But... Mm-hmm. Disableism. That one was the that one was the use of language again. So again, a particular word which, when we were children, may have we would have heard in the school playground. Again, I don't right. wanna, I don't okay. want to use the words, but I'm sure again, if you wouldn't, don't take too much thinking. But again, it's yeah. not a player. It's the use of a particular word there that we recorded again. And welcome back. To and again, some, some people might be listening and going, "Why we?" It seems a seems like a strange thing to be doing. Why would we be doing it again? It goes back to that same point about trying to build a picture and just trying to say and yeah. just trying to show to people the sort of things that the sort of things that happen. One incident in in a whole season of thirty eight games is incredibly small, beer at a number of supporters we're looking yeah. at. But again, it's about provoking this type of conversation and this type of thought. What, why are people still using that word? Why are people still shouting that word at somebody as a form of abuse? It's 2023. Do you know what I mean? Why is that still happening? We don't need it. We don't need it. And if you look at if you look at these incidents, you'll see that there is a comparison between last year and this year. There's a couple of of them which are still the same and have incidents in them. They mentioned racism first of all and talked about the should we say the Luton chant that kind of uh, brought that yeah. back up. But we understand that hopefully that that will improve. There are three that have in, increased, but they've increased primarily because there were no previous incidents. So obviously we have to hope that they're one-offs, but you have to presumably do something something to try to improve it without the thing that will always come back with all of this with all of this stuff is the fact that it's it feels that inclusion suggests in some way shape or form that it's 
excluding the majority. That's sometimes the thing that people will say. People will mm. say, well, what about me? What about that? We'll get on and think about how we can do what might be able to be done in terms of we've got so many great groups. What other kind of inclusive events we could do to bring everybody together under under collective banners? But let's have a look at the outcomes, because when we had that conversation last year or last season, I should say, it was really interesting because it was the outcomes that that kind of, I think, dealt with everything in terms of understanding, okay, this isn't totalitarian. This is about education. This is about having a conversation. This is about trying to explain, well, look, is that really in line with the club? So let's take a look at those. We mentioned earlier on, there were a whole host of these that you were unable to progress. There were 18 of those 56 incidents in 21-22. There were 14 out of 38 last year. So it's gone down in terms of numbers, but probably percentage-wise, it's probably still, it's always going to be a kind of a similar number. And these yeah. are things whereby you just can't really identify who it is, so you can't investigate it. But then we get onto things like, and see, this is, for, for me, the big ticket is when we get to education. And in 21-22, we were looking at 17. Last year, as I say, it's going to be reduced because the overall number of incidents is reduced. Good. Yeah. It reduced to 12. But take us, what what kind of things can educate, you know, what kind of forms can education take? Somebody's given a call or an email. What might they expect? So this is, yeah, this is, this for me, this is the big, this is the big ticket item, really. This is what we're, this is where we get to what we're trying to do as a club and how, what we're trying to achieve. And I'm not 100% certain when, whenever I have this conversation with people across football that do the same job as me, the word education suggests that we sit somebody down in a room and we give them a, an hour or two of lecture and instruction and stuff like that. And it, and it, and that's not really what it is. What it is is a discussion about the incident. It's a discussion about why the language that was used isn't appropriate so that there we can, going back to what we talked about with the Luton chant, helping people to understand that that word is as offensive as it is is a big part of what we're trying to do with that communication around that chant. So using the word education, it's the best word to fit what it is that we're trying to do. But like I say, it's not us sitting there lecturing, it's a conversation. And what we'll try to do with the people when they come is, as I say, sit them down, have a little chat about it and try to understand what drove it, what drove the language that was used and what, you know, what we can do a little bit differently next time when we come to a match. And what we always find when we sit people down and we sit them in a room and we just have a chat about it, take the emotion of the match away, take the emotion of maybe we sent you an email or we give you a call because we want you to come in. And it's not about, and again, it's not about us lecturing. It's about us having that conversation and saying to people, sending people away from those meetings with an understanding of why it was inappropriate to use that language and hopefully a mechanism to put in place for that individual that will stop them from doing it again. And again, yeah, education may not be the right word for that, but it's the closest fit and it's mm -hmm. the best fit that we have. But that's what we're trying to achieve here. We're just trying to help people to understand why the language is, isn't appropriate and why it shouldn't be used in a football stadium. One of the ones, yellow cards, I presume not all of these are still residual for Jose Holabas. <laughs> some, of these, some of these may be something else. Now, first of all, tell us what a yellow card is. But just before we do get that, the 21, 22, there were nine yellow cards. And in 22, 23, it's a reduction down to four, which feels like a positive in terms of that. What does a yellow card involve and how has that been influenced last year? 
So I think for, first and foremost, the reduction is, again, just because there's been that reduction across the board. That's where the reduction comes from then. What we do with these yellow cards, and people might have seen these, and again, there's probably people listening here that have seen them and, and think it might be a bit big brother or why are we trying to get people to grasp okay. each other or whatever, but that's not the case. What we do with these yellow cards, they're, they're about they're just a little small piece of postcard size card, and we stick them onto the seats. And this is where we've had a report where – the app, certain language has been used. We haven't been able to identify a seat number or an individual, but we've been given far more information than just it was just at the back of the rookery. So it might be the person says, oh, it was three, it was three or four rows behind me. I wasn't exactly sure where it was. I didn't turn around to have a look, but it was about two or three rows or three or four rows behind me. And you go, okay, so we can narrow it down, but we still can't say the person sat in that seat is the person that was racially abusive, for example. So what we do with these yellow cards is there's three reasons why we use them but what we essentially do is we'll put them on the seats in that general vicinity okay so we know where the person that's made the report is sitting so we start with three or four rows behind and we put the yellow cards on 10 seats either side of the seat number that the person was in we then put yellow fill in the gaps if you like between the person that made the report and the area they've highlighted again with yellow cards so what you might see when you come into stadium it's like a nest of about 30 or 40 of these yellow cards all in one little Mm -hmm. area and the idea of them is is threefold first it's hopefully the person that shouted the abuse will pick up the yellow card and look at it and the yellow card eventually essentially says there was an incident of discriminatory or antisocial behavior because we use it for we also use it for people that can't stop swearing for 90 minutes so no one's trying to stop people from swearing at football what we are trying to do is tackle the ones that can't utter a sentence without using the f or the c word and just continually go for the whole game which happens as well so we use them for that as well that's why they've got the antisocial behavior bit on there but the idea is that hopefully the person that used the language picks this card up and if at the very worst all they do is look at the card and chuck it on the floor they've had a shot across the bow so they've had a little bit of a warning that something got Mm -hmm. reported and if it was you and you pick this card up you might just go yeah okay i'll just be a bit more careful in my language this week so fine if that works the second one is for the person that made the report to feel like we've taken an appropriate action so they come and they see the card is on their seat and perhaps the two, three people that sit next to them are also friends. And Oh, great. They took it seriously when you made that report. Yeah. So that's the second reason. But the third and most important reason is for somebody else to come forward with additional information. So we had this happen at a game already this season and it wasn't a discriminatory incident. It was an incident like I was just describing with somebody that's just general behavior isn't great. And so we put the cards out and someone emailed straight in and because it's got the text line number on there, someone messaged straight onto the text line and says, oh yeah, I know it was this person and it was that seat number and all the rest of it. So it works from that point of view as well in terms of giving us a bit more information to go on and enabling us to take something further than it just not being and unable to progress and actually being something that we can take a more appropriate action with. So the, the, the cards are just there as an extra additional tool in our box, if you like, to try and get more additional information and to try and help people to understand that the reports are being made. Is there an element to it? Because I, I know a, a number of people that we will have spoken to and many people will have discussed it. And you people will remember the days when actually, as I mentioned in the mid-90s, you almost self-police these incidents going on. Yeah. And it'd be, hang on, what are you talking about? Is there an element of that going on? But is, oh, is there yeah. an element of as attitudes change overall to the majority that the majority starts saying, hey, guys, tone it down kind of thing, yeah. self-policing? There's an, element, there's an element to that. And I would still be... I would love to think that the vast majority of Watford fans, if they hear something like that from the person sitting behind them, will turn around and go, hey, come on, 
that's not how that's not us that's not right yeah, uh, yeah i'm sorry i just shouted in the heat in the moment i'm really sorry those sort of conversations i hope they happen i hope that people are doing that self-policing and i think the yellow cards is an extension of that what i in my mind as well if you've got like I say, if you've put a nest of these cards around about 30 or 40 of them out in the same space, people that maybe don't speak to each other at games up until now that are within that group of seats, see these yellow cards and maybe it stimulates a conversation between a wider group of people. Yeah. Oh, bloody hell. Was that, was that you? Was it me? No, it weren't me. I didn't. That weren't me. I never said anything. And it maybe stimulates that conversation there as well. And again, it adds another element of self-policing. Well, it, perhaps people, well, do you know what? Let's all keep an ear out today and see if we hear it again. Because again, it might just be that the person person was a doesn't necessarily have to be a season ticket holder it could be someone who just sat there for the one game and doesn't come back so I'd like to think that that element of self-policing is there I'd like to think that I I know for a fact that vast numbers of our supporters would be like that so yeah I'd like to think that that's those yellow cards can stimulate that as well and that it's already happening as well so the number of items and you touched on this but I wanted to get into it when we got to this outcomes but we've already got ahead of ourselves with it, which is great the shared with away club. Now you mentioned obviously not everybody is sharing their own individual metrics. So we've had four incidents in 21, 22 and 22, 23. There were two incidents that we've shared it with the away club. And that talks to one of the parts when we were talking about that Luton game after it and, and what had happened. And I remember Justin said, well, what would happen if Luton said that? What would happen if somebody, if they joined in with the same chart, what would happen? Mm. How many of the, the the incidents do you think have actually been reported by other away clubs to us? I know you said it's it's in the majority is going to be the home games. It makes sense. But how much community sharing is there? Does it go all the way across the league? And have we got similar numbers, do you think? Yeah, it tends to. We, apart from that Brighton game from last season that I mentioned, yeah. I don't think that any of the reports that we've had have come via a home club when we've played away from home, if that makes sense. So I don't think it's universal. I don't think every single club is doing it. But again, clubs are being encouraged to to capture this data for themselves. Quite often it's dealt with at DFO level. So DFO is the the police football liaison officer for for each club. So each club has a police designated football officer, DFO. So quite a lot of that information passes between them and then comes into us through that route. And so where it's general trouble or general poor behavior or whatever that's not included in here that wouldn't be included in here unless there's a discriminatory angle so we had plenty of that last season i'm here to tell you and there's a there was a if anyone's following the watford police twitter account they put a great little resume out of some of the incidents that they've dealt with over the course of the last season from away games so those type of incidents again that doesn't come into that doesn't come into the picture so if i give you an example from one of the away games last season um, people that were there will remember at QPR, one of our fans got on the pitch about 15, 20 minutes before the end of the game. Mm-hmm. That's obviously becomes a police matter straight away. As soon as anybody goes on the pitch, that is a police matter that's going to get dealt with and that person's going to get arrested and probably get a football ban in order. But that stuff doesn't come into play when we're looking at the data for the WE campaign. So we will always, if something happens in our away end, we will always collate as much information as we can to share with the away club. And the two from last season, one was Coventry and one was Hull. Mm-hmm. 
So we send that information to those two clubs and it's up to them what they do with it. We don't then go, can you tell us what happened? We're not nosy. We're not interested, really. We've got enough to be doing with our own. So we just pass it on to the away club and whatever they want to do with it is whatever they want to do with it. So the four from the four last season, I know that one of them was the Norwich game. And I know that Norwich took it incredibly seriously and asked us for CCTV footage and all sorts of different bits and pieces as well. So again, each club is going to tackle things slightly differently. A lot of it depends on where they are in terms of their sort of equality, diversity, inclusion work. Whereas we're, we're a club that's at the advanced level of the Premier League equality, diversity, inclusion standard, because that's what we were in. Although we're not in it anymore. We were in it and we've stayed in it. So we're one of the only nine clubs that got to that advanced level. And when you get to the advanced level, you are doing all this stuff and you can prove that you're doing yeah. all this stuff and you can show evidence to say, that says you're doing all this stuff. So a lot of clubs aren't at that point yet, but yeah. But we will always share the information with the away club so they can take whatever action they deem appropriate. Yeah, no, I know the in terms of the work that you've done, I know the I forget now what it was called, but there was the fan index, which has the four various different categories. And the DI work was one was we were so far past the average, it, it, it was silly. There are some other areas to, to work on, but hopefully those are going in. But that's not about today. That's another yeah. day. In terms of that, we'll, we'll just skip one because we'll come back to it because it's probably there's two on there that are probably the, the ultimate sanction. But let's build to that if that's all right. Social mm-hmm. media accounts blocked. You've mentioned those before. And as you said, this is more of a, I suppose it's like a, a, as you say, it's almost an anonymized shot across the bow unless it's somebody who's actually yeah. put it on their own account, but it is doing something about it. Behavior yeah. agreement is an interesting one. What sort of, obviously not talking about specifics, we haven't done here in terms of it, what sort of thing would a behavior agreement entail? It, because it feels like something you'd build up to via some of the other outcomes. If it- yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on. So where the behaviour agreement comes in, it's almost like the second tier, if you like. Right. Because I think, again, historically, football clubs have gone straight for the stadium ban. Boot someone right. out for a couple of years. Goodbye, you're not coming in. Two, three years, whatever. That person comes back in two or three years when the stadium ban's elapsed. And nothing, they're not going to behave any differently. Probably they're going to behave worse. So... That's where you almost got like a three-tier approach. So it's the education, it's the conversation, and we will make a decision based on those conversations that we have as to how we feel the individual has, has dealt with it and how they have how they've participated within that conversation. And if we're left with any doubt, and this is all explained to the people that have signed the behaviour agreements, if we're left with doubt, for whatever reason, we might ask a supporter to sign a behaviour agreement, which basically is them signing to say that they won't use discriminatory language, they won't behave poorly, whatever it might be that they've done. That agreement is just putting something in writing between us and the supporter, just gives us that extra little bit of confidence that the individual isn't going to come back and, and use lang- that, that poor language again. Because what it says within there is that it says, I understand if there is another incident of the type that I've been discussing, I will be banned from the stadium for three years and they sign it. So what they're saying, what those people who often say to, well, I wouldn't do it. I'd never do it. And if there's a slightest doubt for us, we'll just ask them to sign the behavior agreement because we say, well, you won't mind signing this then, will you? To just say, actually, yeah, I agree that I, I won't, I won't use do this again. Vast majority of times we don't need to do it because the conversations, as I said earlier, when we were talking about mm-hmm. conversations, they're far more agreeable. The person shows general genuine contrition about what's been said and understanding of why it was wrong that they said it and just a general feeling that you get from the conversation about, about an individual. So 
where that doesn't happen, that's where the behavior agreement comes in. And obviously behavior agreements, if somebody's language has been, if it's got to a point where it's become a hate crime and it's actually been investigated by the police and the police have taken control of it, that will always end in a stadium ban. That won't go down the route of an educational conversation or a behaviour agreement because that then becomes a matter, of, a matter of police involvement. So if something gets to the point where the hate crime has been investigated properly by the police and the police have taken action and there's a caution or anything like that, that's out of our hands. That will happen regardless of what we want to do or what we think. So the step for us to issue a stadium ban as we come back to that one there where we did yeah. two last season and three the season before, for us to issue a stadium ban, that would be where the police haven't taken any action and we've decided that we're going to ban that supporter because it's a continued continued behaviour. For whatever reason, the police haven't taken action and quite often it's because the people that reported it don't want to give a statement or don't want a day in court or all of that sort of stuff. So where it's got to that point, we will happily take that action when we feel we have to, but only when we've exhausted the other options first. In terms of these discriminatory behaviours going on, mm -hmm. I'm presuming that the vast majority of these things are verbal offences. Yes. You mentioned, obviously, the guy com coming onto the pitch. Obviously, that doesn't fall within this framework because Correct. it wasn't a discriminatory act to anybody. It was just breaking the law in that particular respect. Yes. So most of these things are, 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 are verbal comments um, yes. that, that are made. And again, I think we just have to go back to the fact that, as you say, how many people you have in a stadium. But these are tiny numbers, confirming, obviously, as you said, there are only so many that you do get reported, which is surely a, a, a positive. Sure. Carlos, welcome to... Yes. Your ears might have been burning, Carl. I can't confirm they, or deny, but your ears may were, have been burning yeah. earlier on. Not at all. Well, we were talking about we, we've gone through the incidents, Carlos. Carlos is joining us because he's been he's been flying the do not scratch your eyes flag on the Wizards of Drivel Stoke City preview show. I hope that went well. Yes. Yeah, they, they came on, on to us and, and put up with our nonsense quite nicely. It's always good that we reciprocate. So we went through the number of incidents. Mm. They've been a general kind of reduction and some specific reductions in some places, but still areas to to obviously look at and, and hopefully try to improve. And then we were just going through the outcomes and the educational part that, that was mentioned in terms of having a discussion in as the methodology, so to speak. Obviously, we see you now on the on the school board as I scream the word guilty every time I see you up there. What, yes. what, are, your thought, what are your thoughts on the educational discussion? Well, obviously, we spoke about it before when we spoke today. I think my experiences have been positive in, in terms of the club. Things can happen in a situation that you don't fully understand what you're saying, and, and education is, is massive. To, you, to use certain language and not fully appreciate or fully understand what the implications are to the people that might be offended by that. It's, it's massive. And in, in terms of the club, in terms of my experiences with, with, with Dave and other members that, that are in Dave's team, fantastic. It was never a case of sitting me in a room and shining a, a light in my hand or waterboarding me. And you will say this and you will do that. It was no, never about that. It was a proper discussion with adults and, and being sensible about it and having something that we all want called common sense in, in, in terms of what's actually happened and and trying to find a, re uh, a resolution in that. If I'm sure if my attitude towards it had been different, I picked my attitude because I actually felt, oh, I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to upset anyone. I certainly don't want to be banned from the club I love. So that's my attitude, and that, that's why I was open-minded to, to hear what Dave and his team had to say. I, I can't speak for everyone. Some people are going to be towing their own line for whatever reason. But 
in terms of what the club can do, I think they do a good job. I think it's very difficult for a football club nowadays to, to, to please everyone. You can't. In the, great, the, the grand scheme of things, you've got so many different opinions and, and we hear that all the time, opinions, and it, it just becomes a, an absolute avalanche of problems to try and dodge for, for the football club. And they, they've got to take a step back a little bit sometimes. And, and I think us as fans have a massive responsibility to try and police ourselves is probably the, the mm-hmm. wrong thing. But in terms of if I see or hear something that I'm not happy with or I think no, that's wrong, I've got no problems in, in, in challenging that and challenging that in the right way. And I, and I think that's come, that what I've just said now has, has come from my dealings with the club and, and Dave. It's been a big eye-opener for me. Very good, very good. So the next outcomes, waterboarding. Oh, no, not really. Talking about... <laughs> not again. We might add that for this season. We might add that for this season. Yeah, yeah that'll be, that, 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 that'll be uh, yeah, 23, 24. Waterboarding, Dave. How many? Only seven, but they were all voluntary. Exclusion. <laughs> now, exclusion is an interesting term because what we talked about is stadium bans. What does exclusion involve? And what, so, sort, of, what sort of reason might that be? So that specific exclusion is probably ought to be, I probably ought to make it clearer on the graphic. Mm-hmm. Exclusion is when we're talking about community trust programs. So we had an incident of racism on uh, one of the community trust programs, believe it or not, with um, 11, 12-year-old kids, um, and they were excluded from taking part in that particular project again. So that's what exclusion is. That's a very specific thing because it's around about around those events and programs that the community trust put on. So I probably could do with making that a bit clearer when it oh. when it talks about exclusion because we put those community trust incidents into this part as well because it's all still telling the same story that we've been speaking about so far on this podcast but yeah exclusions will specifically be about a community trust event and somebody being excluded from coming back on to next week's program for the trust well well, no that's why having this conversation is really useful to try to get in and under and around and understand it a little bit more because there's only so much you can do with an infographic and a table because there's only so many uh, words and spaces you can't put too much text on these things because you're trying to tell it you're trying to you're trying to you try to tell a story of a picture and a few numbers really but it does make sense to have those values extend beyond the ground and be within the Watford in the community element because again we're coming back to the GT and Sir Elton John why I give GT just his initials I don't call Sir Elton John SCJ I I don't know it may be to do with the honours who knows but it makes sense to have that in there and, and to understand it because actually it also does touch with the conversation to understand that the guys who are going out there there are things that they're having to deal with as well because yeah. the people in the trust who are going in and doing all of this stuff and we all know the great work and everybody talks about but we talk about being the original family club and yes that's about communities coming into the club but it's also about the club going into the community so it, it's a large component to it uh, there have been no police cautions last year there was one the previous year and i think that's the that, that's almost like the cautionary tale if you like to, to people on it it's it's that level of understand the language you use can have these implications. Understand what you shout inside a football stadium can lead you to that particular type of problem. And one of the things that we do around the education conversations is sometimes we involve Kick It Out in those as well, because Kick It mm-hmm. Out have got a couple of people that, that will go around the country and assist clubs with education. So if we feel rather than taking the step of getting someone to sign a behaviour agreement, some quite often sometimes what happens is a conversation like the conversation we had with Carl was a great example of what we hope that they're going to be. But sometimes the conversation isn't quite that open. And sometimes there can be a little bit of why is my club saying this to me and they Mm. don't open up 
to us in the way that Carl did. So you get Kick It Out to come and speak to them and you have another session, another conversation, and they open up to Kick It Out all, all, all the way through because it's not us in the room. So that edge of that little bit of edge of why is my club doing this is taken away when you bring Kick It Out in. And Kick It Out's education is brilliant because it, the, the, the guys that do it have got such a breadth of knowledge of things that have happened and examples that they can give. They can give the example of Rio Ferdinand being racially abused while he was working with BT Sport at Wolves. They can, and that ended up with Sky Sports News chasing the guy down the street with a camera when he came out of the courthouse. That person ended up losing their job. It's again, it's about understanding where these things can lead to. That person that shouted racial abuse at Rio Ferdinand at Molyneux while he was working for BT Sport didn't shout it thinking, I might get nicked, I might get arrested, I might end up losing my job. But that's what the that's what you've almost got to think if you're going to shout things like this. It, that's where it can take you. So I think there's the, a level of understanding of that can't be a bad thing as well. Because I think we we have this sort of, again, going back to this whole point that we've made a couple of times about how I don't hear it near me, so it doesn't doesn't happen within the stadium. It it does happen, and where it does happen, it needs to be challenged so that we can stop those sorts of things from happening. And thanks for going through through these outcomes. They are steering in the right direction, clearly, in terms of it, because a lot of people will turn around and say, well, we're not a racist club. We're not a this. We're not. It's not about club. This is all about individual incidents and individual elements that have gone, which, which feel not conducive to Watford. Is there a way to build on this so that rather than the, these kind of looking at it and monitoring and policing it and potentially punitive methods, is there a way to involve everybody in some kind of, and I appreciate I'm going outside of the EDI scope, but in terms of inclusivity of mm. some of the groups that, that that we have, but truly inclusive events that, that incorporate everybody. And I don't know, it might be a festival, I'm just pulling this out. So, for example, Alan from the Asian and Southeast Asian, almost, and I, yes, I am, of course, building to, to a curry here at some point stage here, some food, some kind of something that could actually be a celebration or or almost a coming together of people who are Watford and also are within that community to make it more inclusive. Yeah, I think there is. And I, it, funnily enough, it's almost like I, those types of things, we're starting to have conversations about some kind of event between now and Christmas where we invite supporters to come and we might do a little bit of chat about the EDI work and the stuff that we do not just the we campaign and not just trying to pull people up for the comments but some of the other stuff that we do outside of that so some of the things like working with the Watford Muslim Youth Centre Trust who are building a fantastic Mm. community centre for use by the whole community not just by Muslim people down in West Watford and I drive past it every day when I'm driving to the stadium from home and it's fantastic it's a magnificent building it's going to be brilliant and again it's the work we're doing there with that organisation to help them highlight their fundraising and, and hosting events for them and um, different things that we've done with other different groups so we've had um, holocaust survivors come and speak to club staff and come and speak to academy players and things like that so there's there's so much work that's going on in this space and some kind of event where we celebrate that and talk about it i think might be a really nice idea so i think you're onto something there pete i'm not going to pay you anything for the idea but i quite like it it's, it's something i'm certainly going to think through and work out whether it's something we can whether it's something we can do between now and Christmas and just get supporters to come along and come and have a listen to about some of the stuff that we do about equality, diversity, inclusion. So yeah, I, it's a lovely idea and it's something I'll certainly look into. 
Watford's for everyone. Watford Football Club is an inclusive football club. You touched on it a minute ago, Pete. We we do not have a racist fan base. We have some racists within our fan base, unfortunately, as the numbers prove. But we do not have a racist fan base. We don't have a sexist fan base. We don't have a homophobic fan base. But we want to make sure that we continue not to. And we want to make sure that those people feel like they're welcome at the game because they don't always. And that for me is why that for me is the, the, the cornerstone of what we're trying to achieve. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? <whistles> At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.